Welcome to episode three of the podcast. Glad you decided to join us today. Our goal is to help you create quality experiences that help people engage with Jesus. Uh, if you would just share, leave a rating or review that helps us out. Um, and yeah, so I'm your host, uh, Chris Esslinger, and I'm joined today by a couple of friends, Ian Springer, who's been on before and a new guy, uh, Will Scott. Um, Ian has been a TD for a few years at a couple locations and is now working in the IT world. Uh, And Will has been uh, TD uh, for several years as well at a couple different organizations. So, uh, yeah, today we're talking about um, what it's like to be a TD at a new organization. So our title is, I'm a new TD, where do I start? Um, So what do you guys think? Where where should, if, if you were walking into a new church, brand new, where would you start? Yeah, I uh, I think the first place it's it's always a, a challenge trying to think. Okay, you know, you're being a TD, so you've got you have to understand all this technology and stuff like that. So my my natural inclination is to like oh, dig into the technology, but at the same time, um, I think uh, if you especially if you work as a team or work with a team of people, be it a worship director or if you have a larger if you know a larger organization, you have a production team that you work with. Uh, honestly, I think spending time getting to know the people is probably more important. Uh, I would, yeah, it's hard. It's a balance. It's a it's a balance of understanding technology and I think getting to know the people. Just a lot of lunches, you know, and uh, and spend time with people. It's yeah, I think that's where you start. At least that's that's where I wish I started. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's easy, you know, your your job title is technical director, so it's, I know when I was first starting out, I felt like it was all about the technology, and I spent way more time uh, getting to know the technology and improve the technology and do whatever I could with the technology, and didn't really pay attention to the people. Um Fortunately, I, I worked with a really great team of people at the time, and they showed me a lot of grace. But uh, I, I wish I had I had spent more time learning to trying to get to know them and learning to lead them, and less time monkeying around with uh, with projectors and microphones and audio consoles and stuff. Yeah, no, that's good. I, to me, um, you know, when you get hired as a technical director, it's kind of uh, confusing because there's there's two almost not really opposing ideas in that title. But uh, you know, on the you've got technical, so you're going okay. I have to de- figure this technology out and run it and make it do things and and all that. And I think there's this desire to almost prove. Uh, that the leadership made a good choice in hiring you um, in that you want them to see technical improvements quickly. Um, But that's kind of a dangerous place to go because in doing that, you can start making changes and alienate people who have been around for years. Um, And so to me, you know, the kind of most important part of the job is leading the team uh, leading up to your leadership so that they uh, they know what is possible and what isn't possible. And sometimes um, I've even had times where a pastor will come to me with an idea and you really want to um, support it, what it is that they're doing, 
but at the same time, um, it's always, it, it can be good to push back a little bit and go, hey, we can't exactly do it the way you're thinking, but here's the other thing we can do. And sometimes it works out better. Um, so yeah, I, I would say your primary job is uh, to lead the team, to lead up um, and whatnot. But again, you have to know the technology because part of leading is teaching, you know? So, um, so I would think one of the, one of the first things you'd want to do, uh, when you get started, uh, along with starting to get to know people is to get to know the space you're in. Um, and so for me, it's always been, I'm going to go exploring in the building, um, and look for things, uh, and look for what's here, uh, where is it, what does it do, um, is there anything I don't know what it does, and then I start making phone calls or researching on the internet, but uh, really just go exploring for various things. What do you guys think on that one? Yeah, I mean, that's it's uh, I, I that part's always a lot of fun for me, um, getting to, to dig through and see what's there, try and understand the thought process of of the folks that set it up originally. Um, one thing you got to be careful of, though, is you don't know who set this stuff up originally. It might be someone who's still on your team. It might not. It might be someone who used to be on the team who uh, folks on the team still really respect. And you got to be careful with that. You, you don't want to approach it from a standpoint of, well, this, this, is, this is stupid. The, the person who set this up didn't know what they were doing. You, you don't necessarily know what the circumstances were behind what they were trying to do. They might have been short on time. They might have been out of budget money for the year. There's lots of reasons why uh, it might have been set up the way that that it was. So it's exploring's fun. Finding ways to to fix stuff and make stuff better is fun. But don't put anybody under the bus while you're at it. Yeah, I'd add that just because either you don't understand it or you don't agree with it doesn't make it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, I feel like each building has kind of like a history about it, uh, as because most churches evolve as time goes on and technology changes and needs of the church change, and um, the people who have who have been there might know, like, and that's part of the, like spending time with people. They might understand, like, oh yeah, the, that this was like this because we were trying to do that and that and that. Like, if, especially if things are, like, confusing or not making sense, um, I, I think spending time, you know, and, and that kind of gives you an excuse to spend time with people um, as you're exploring and learning, you know, okay, why, why can't I pull any cables through this conduit? Oh, yeah, because last time we had to use the lift to pull the cable through because it was so tight and there was a, you know, a break in it somewhere, something like, like that. But yeah, totally bizarre. Like, what? But it. Uh, We're not advocating using a lift to pull no, cable. No, I, don't, I don't. I do not advocate that at all. Uh, that's not the way to pull cable. But uh, but still, there's uh, the the guys who've been around longer than you. Uh, they they know that history and they can help you like avoid some of the weird nuances about the building and the technology that have um, you know just stuff to make you aware of as you as you kind of explore and learn uh, you know how things work and again it gives you time to spend gives you a reason to spend time with people yeah yeah and i think that that kind of helps uh lead into the next thought here which uh which is that you know just because you're leading the team 
um, and you're leading these new people, it doesn't mean you have to know everything. Um, you don't have to be the smartest one on the team. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, if you are, that can, that can really put a, a ceiling on, on the team's potential. You know, to me, the leader's the one that has to make the decisions at the end of the day and bring people together, but definitely don't have to be the smartest one in the room. No, I, uh, when, when I was a TD, I had a guy on my team who was very skilled at, uh, at audio, um, much, much better than, than I, I was. I, I'm not an audio guy. I've never claimed to be an audio guy, but it, uh, it, uh, I found it, I spent a lot of time working with this guy and, and got to a point where I trusted him to just make things happen on the auto audio side. And I didn't like, I, I, I was involved, um, at a high level behind, you know, new gear purchases and the general direction of the audio side of things. But that was really it. And that worked really well. I didn't, he, he came up with some really creative solutions to stuff. Um, and without me having to manually get involved or micromanage any part of the audio side. And that, that freed me up to, to, to work with, um, at, at the time the church was building a, a live stream ministry and, and, you know, work on really investing in and building that. Um, if, if you have people like that in your organization, you may not, but if you do, you know, l- leverage them, they've, they've got abilities you can use and, and that's great. Don't feel like you need to, uh, micromanage them or, uh, anything like that. I like uh, I like how you Ian you talked about like trust there, and how that was actually that was a relief for you when you were a tech director. And um, I know um, sometimes it's hard to trust, especially when you're new, as it like a new TD. It's it's you're you're not sure what kind of experience the uh, the other team members have, and so uh, especially if you're coming from uh, like a production environment or something like that, trust is not something that is easily given. But um, I think, you know, there's, um, there's something to be said about, like, extending grace to people so that you have an opportunity to trust them. And you, you kind of get to understand what, uh, what things. So, you, like, you talked about um, being, you, you didn't have to worry about the audio side of things because you had a relationship with this guy who, who you knew could take care of it and handle it. And that was a relief for you because it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, one of your strong, uh, your strengths at the time. And that's like, man, that is, you nailed it. Like that's find people on your team that, um, that you can trust with things, especially like, uh, working on a team, one of the benefits like strengths and weaknesses, you know, um, if this, this one thing isn't my strength, but it's your strength. So that, that is something you should absolutely weigh in on if I'm making decisions or if, or something related to it and working as a team and not, not siloing yourself and trying to do everything by yourself and, and isolating because, um, it's that I think siloing happens real easily in in church environments, especially like everybody just kind of does their own thing. But, um, but working as a team and collaboration, you really get just better, you get a better weekend experience, you get better environment for, um, for the team that you're working in, for the volunteers that you're working with. 
and uh, and it's I think it makes a big difference, a lot healthier and uh, and easier uh, to be in those kinds of environments. And I think it's it's crucial to point out that in order for uh, someone to earn that trust, you have to take the risk of actually trusting them with something at some point. You yeah. know, you can't just instantly, well, I, you know, I automatically trust you. It's, you, there's a risk there that you have to take, um, and, and, and take the risk that, yeah, it could go south. Uh, it's probably not likely, but it could, and you have to kind of take that risk. And obviously you'd assess it beforehand and have conversations and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, when I, I even think there's something to be said if you, like when you're, when, when you take that chance on that person, like make sure they know it. Like if, cause they, they will feel empowered by being trusted with something by like, you, you're, you're trusting me with this. Like this is, this is my responsibility now. So they, um, they'll, I mean, I'm, if you have a, I'm, I'm guessing you, you'll, you'll have a relationship with them at that point And, uh, they will like, they'll run with that. Like they'll be able to champion that for you because you have extended that trust to them and they're aware of it. If you just kind of blindly, you know, if they don't know that they're being trusted with something, then uh, you, you may, it may not end well for everyone. Yeah, yeah it's, um, I think the, uh, it, it's important to um, communicate upward to, uh, to your leadership that you're trying to invest in some folks and that sometimes failure is going to happen and it's, it, it needs to be okay. Um, the, uh, that's, that's just part of the learning process. I think anyone who's worked in, in a technical field can think about, uh, things that they, that they tried that, that they might've thought were good ideas at, at the time that didn't go so great and maybe caused there to be some, some problems, you know, during a service, a show, whatever um and if you're if you're building and investing in people that's going to happen sometimes and you want to while you want to try to to avoid it where you can and be able to respond and mitigate it when it does happen it's still going to happen and and it's you know if if your leadership knows hey I'm, I really want to invest in some of these guys. We've got some guys who can can do amazing stuff if we give them a little responsibility, but we, it might be a little bit rough at first, but the, the, the rewards we're going to get out of that is going to be amazing. Hopefully your leadership's going to be on board with that, and they won't, you won't get an email the next day like, why did this happen? This was unacceptable, you know, afterward. If you give them a little bit of a heads up, well, the re- the reality of it is, is we all make mistakes. Yeah. Um, I I can't think of uh, basically any time ever that I've had an event that from my end went one hundred percent perfect. Um, there may have been one or two, but they're very rare. Uh, and I've been doing this for a long time now, um, and so. Uh, yeah, I, I think anytime there's people involved, you got to have grace. That has to be extended. Uh, and anytime there's technology involved, guess what? That that f- technology was designed by flawed people. So there's almost twice as much room for error. Yeah. <laughs> That'll preach. Uh. So, uh, yeah, I mean... That's what it comes down to. So, so when it when it does come down to how do we get people kind of on board, um, 
as as we're starting out at a church, I think it's important to to be able to articulate to them the direction that um, that you're wanting to go and get them on board with that. Um, and I would do that through uh, through some vision casting, um, being come up with you already have in your head where it is that you want to go and and what you want to do. And if you don't, that's kind of step one. <laughs> you need to figure that out. But then getting it down to a point where you can clearly articulate it so that um, so that you can sit down with your team, whether it's one-on-one or whether it's in a group setting, and clearly articulate, guys, this is where we're going. This is our goal. Um, and this is how we know if we're succeeding. Um, and, and when you do that, um, you get buy-in from the team. And yeah, there may be a few people that are like, hey, that's not really where uh, what I want to be a part of. They'll see themselves out at that point rather than kind of dragging along and, and making a mess of things for you. Um, but it's, I, I think that's the biggest piece is, is getting buy-in from your team and helping them understand, hey, this is where we're going um, and, and join in me, join with me on this journey uh, as we kind of figure out where we're going. Um, so yeah, make sure you get that kind of sticky statement and, and be able to articulate it clearly. Um, so on the topic of, of getting started with the team, um, what have you guys seen as being successful strategies to starting to build up a team? A lot of lunches. <laughs> the, uh, I, the, 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 the best way that, um, I've I've been able to do this is sit down, have lunch with people, get to know people. Be like, hey, you you seem like someone who might be interested in working with tech. Let's let's I'll get lunch. I'll buy you food. This is very effective for high schoolers, especially yeah. <laughs> if you've got high schoolers in your ministry. That uh, free food is uh, is very enticing to them. It um, works for college kids pretty well too. It, it works <laughs> for people in general. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, but you know, that, that gives you a, uh, an open door to, to be like, Hey, you know, what, what, what do you like? Like you see, you, you keep hanging around the sound booth asking me what's, what's going on. You know, do you want to come run sound sometime? You know, I'll, I'll show you how to do it. Like that's, that's a great way to, uh, to start to build that relationship with people. I don't, I, I, a lot of places, you know, they put up a slide in, in their, their pre-show, that's like, hey, you know, send me an email if you want to uh, run tech or or whatever. And sometimes you'll get people that'll come up at to to you at at front of house and say, hey, you know, I, I want to get plugged in. But that's not that that's, that's not going to be a consistent way. Yeah, that may have people. happened like twice in the last ten years. Yeah. Yeah. So the the best way is is get to know people. Um, I. Uh, when, when I was a tech director, I spent a lot of time hanging out with the, uh, the high school kids in the youth group. Um, they had, they had a band and they wanted to, you know, use some of the PA and stuff for their Wednesday night, uh, youth group stuff. And so I just went and hung out with them and found a bunch of guys that were interested in, in learning tech and doing something, serving in a capacity that was technically challenging more than just like, you know, vacuuming the floor or something. And uh, I still have great relationships with a lot of those guys, even though they've moved on to other churches and um, I've moved on to do other stuff. 
Um, that's if you can build those kind of relationships with the people on on your team. Um, it's you you get someone who's going to be excited about tech, and you get folks that are that are going to be friends for a lifetime. Yeah, I think you hit on something crucial there with with the high school student uh, demographic. Um, I've heard many guys say things like, well, they're only going to be around for a few years. And to me, that's such a, a short-sighted uh, idea on the way to look at it. Like, yeah, you're going to pour a lot into them and, and you're going to, you know, honestly, they're, they're going to do really well because uh, it doesn't take much, you know. Uh, to them, you're like the coolest person ever because you get to play with this, uh, this really cool technology. And, uh, and so it's really easy because they're, they're so teachable. Um, but you kind of pour into them for a few years and maybe they stick around and go to college locally and, and that's great. And maybe they don't, um, you know, maybe they go off somewhere else, but, um, you know, some of the biggest joys to me, uh, over the last several years have been when I have, um, worked with and poured into college or high school and college students and then see them develop the passion to the point where they turn around and, uh, they want to serve the kingdom, uh, at their own church. Um, mm-hmm. and so to me, it's, it's far more about the kingdom mindset of I'm, I'm investing in the kingdom, whether it's here in my local congregation or whether it's elsewhere. Yeah, man, you, you nailed it. And that's, that's the thing. Like, I think all of us probably got started because of like a system like that. We got started as high school students because somebody took a chance on us and poured into us and said, Hey, you know, I'm going to teach this kid, uh, you know, answer their questions, whatever, spend time with them uh, and get to know them in a way that makes them feel like they're valued. And then now, look, we've all, you know, now we, we do it for a living or, you know, we've, we're heavily involved in it and developing it. And man, I think you nailed it talking about it's not about your church. It's about the kingdom. It's it's about serving the greater good and 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 just planting a seed in those kids that uh, that just grows and grows. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, yeah. So, so once we kind of start building up a team, um, and we get some people involved, which again, there, there's so many different ways to, to do that. Um, tapping on shoulders, taking people out to lunch, hanging out with high school kids. Um, you know, sometimes stage announcements work. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of depends, you know, it goes back to, to can you clearly articulate uh, the vision from the stage? And and if you can do that, sometimes you might get a few. Uh, other times, not so much, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but you kind of just, you got to try multiple things until you figure out what sticks. And sometimes you get onesie-twosie from each kind of individual thing, but, you know, three sets of one and two, all of a sudden you've got six people on your team, you know? Um but yeah, so once we've started building up a team, uh, I think it's important to kind of get to know everybody's strengths um, and weaknesses. And on the technical side, that tends to be obvious. You know, um, Ian gravitated towards video. Uh, Will and I both have gravitated towards audio. Um, what it comes down to is uh, not so much what your professional area of preference or uh, skill or whatever it is, um, but really, how does that person interact with others on the team? And I think there's some great tools out there to to kind of help 
with that, um, you know, I've been really big on uh, some of the personality profiles over the years, whether it's uh, the disc profile or the Enneagram, um, Golden, uh, Myers-Briggs, some of those kind of things. Um, to really help not only understand myself and how I interact with other people, which has been a big deal, uh, but also understanding the other people on my team and how I need to interact with them and when they get upset. It's not if, it's when mm -hmm. they get upset over various things. Um, you know, how, how can I best help them work through that? Or if they're mad at me, uh, which newsflash, it happens. Um, you know, when they're mad at me, how, how do I help navigate through that yeah i think um man you talked about those personality profiles that's huge and understanding especially like not just yourself but also your team and um so uh, i know the enneagram is one of the things that uh i've really poured into a little bit in our uh like where i'm at that our our team has poured into and one of the things that they uh Oh gosh, there's a great resource out there called the road back to you <laughs> book plug. And, um, I think it's bought by Ian Morgan Cron, Cron and yeah. Susan Stabile. Um, anyways, they, they talk, one of the things that I, I got a lot of value out of that book was, uh, they talk about the unhealthy side of the different types, the different personality types. And, uh, it's really telling, like, especially you, you, you can notice things, not just in yourself, uh, but also in those other people and you understand, okay, are they in a healthy place? Are they in a kind of an in-between or are they in a, like a really healthy place and uh, kind of where they're at? And uh, as in the context of a team, as it's, um, it's really important to understand where they are and uh, make sure sometimes the people who deserve um, appreciation like, or, or praise the, the most the, the people who deserve it, sorry, the people who deserve it the least need it the most just because of where they're at. And, um, y you know, those are the people that you want to spend time with and understand because if uh, someone's in an unhealthy place and they're not willing to grow or they're not, they're not in a place where they can grow or they're just kind of negative all the time, those folks are going to be poison on your team. They're going to drag people, people down that are around them. And, uh, it's just, you, you have to, that's, that's why building relationships, spending, spending time with people and getting to know them, uh, not just on like an interpersonal level or, you know, uh, uh, just like on the weekend. Cause the weekend is not a place where you, uh, get to know people. I mean, it is a little bit, but you're so busy focused on what needs to get done, getting the service out, moving things along, making sure things are ready for, you know, whoever's you know, coming up on stage or, or speaking or, uh, you know, getting graphics. I mean, there's the whole list. You can go through the whole list of things that have to get done, but spending time with people that has to happen outside of the weekend. And if you've got a negative person on your team, they're, again, they're going to kind of drain the energy of your team. And so those people who, who, uh, who are kind of like maybe on the fence or something, especially if you're a new TD, like you're building trust with those other people and they're, they're like, oh, this guy, I don't know about this guy yet because he's new. And uh, if, if, if you've got a negative person on your team, spend time with that person, get to know them and understand them. And, and then, you know, it's hard to do and it sucks. But if that person isn't willing to grow or isn't invested in the vision, then 
maybe you know they may not self-select out because that that's kind of their community like people like being in community we're social animals i mean covid has been a great example of like how 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 much community is is needed in our world but if that person isn't willing to self-select out then it might be time to push them so that they kind of get a chance to go into a season of of grow like a season to, of recovery if you know you know, you know what i mean does that make sense yeah i mean it, it kind of depends on on the person <clears throat> yeah know, to me uh sometimes it's just they're not a great fit on the tech team and there's another team that they could be an amazing fit on um and other times uh you know again we're, we're all broken people and and it comes down to sometimes there's a season of healing that needs to take place uh and those can be really hard conversations to have um I wouldn't jump to that quickly or take it very lightly. No, not at all. Um, but sometimes those are important conversations to have. And sometimes it, it's important to uh, include your pastor either as um, as part of the conversation or uh, kind of to help help you understand how to work through it and maybe, um, maybe work through it with you. Um, So, so I wasn't planning on doing this, but uh, we can we can jump into this one. Um, we'll give an example here. Uh, I'd like to give an example with each of us, kind of talking about maybe some traits from our personality profile that we've seen uh, pop up both positively and negatively um, <laughs> as we've gotten started. Uh, so I, I'll jump in first uh, on the Enneagram. I'm a I'm a seven wing eight. Um, and so for those that aren't familiar, uh, that's, uh, the enthusiast. And so I always get really excited about new ideas and new things and where we're going and all that kind of stuff. Um, on the flip side of that, I'm terrible at finishing projects. Uh, <laughs> I worked with Ian at a church for a number of years and, and he always had to hold my feet to the fire on, dude, we got to finish this other thing before you start something new. Um, and so that was always a big challenge for me. Uh, sorry, what were you going to say? Well, well no, that, that's so good. Like that's the whole relationship thing and like, getting to know each other. You can, you can see each other kind of drifting into different uh, like phases or like, yeah, like that's a great example of a, uh, a super healthy relationship because Ian was able to hold you accountable because he saw, you know, he saw that happening. It's just, you guys were able to, to accomplish much more because of it. Yeah. What about you guys, Will? What what uh, what have you kind of seen? <laughs> Put you no. on the spot a little here. No, no, you're, you're, it's good. I uh, so I'm a Enneagram one, so I'm a perfectionist, and uh, which especially in the technical realm, it's there's a fine line between. Well, it's it's a blurry line between perfection and excellence, and uh, especially as a perfectionist, like making sure that I do not find value in what I'm doing, like me as. Yeah, okay, I, I have to find value in my identity, and my identity is not my ability to, ex, you know, execute a great mix or have a great weekend. My, you know, my value is that I'm a beloved child of God. That's who I am, and uh, so that was I had to when I started as a tector. That was one thing I had to kind of learn to detach myself from, and that and that even kind of goes along with making sure making sure you have a relationship with God, uh, so that you can kind of grow in that in a healthy way. Um, but as as far as like tendencies that um, you know, I I spend 
I would spend way too much time trying to, to get all these stupid details that really only mattered to me to like make sure everything was perfect. But it, you know, it's, it's like, okay, it doesn't need to be that perfect. We, that's, that's not the level we're operating at. We, we are, we're operating at a level of excellence so we can, you know, just being able to let go of things. And that, and again, my, my team was able to kind of make me aware of that and, and help me understand the you know these nuances that I was I was trying I was nitpicking through all these these tiny little details. It's like okay, they they only matter to you, and it's not nobody nobody's going to notice you know in the in the whole congregation that you know the the mic placement on the snare is one hundred percent exactly perfect every single time. So I mean that's just this is one of those dumb little things that you 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 got to spend time getting to know yourself and. Uh, kind of your own nuances but ian do you have any well before before he jumps in i i, I think there's a balance on that one for sure because i <laughs> i find myself doing that too uh you know constantly going hey you know the drum sound isn't exactly like i wanted it and trying to sit there and nitpick it and i think there's a balance there because it, it is important that that things look good and that they sound good um but well, you got to be careful not to sacrifice. Yes. Uh, sacrifice the important things for that. For example, if you're sitting in a service and you're sitting there tweaking on the kick drum because you're not quite happy with how it sounds, and Pastor gets up and his mic's not on, guess what? You miss the <laughs> most important thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because of something minor. So I, I think there's a time and place. Um, yeah. Well, tweak on that even, kick drum. During even during the week. rehearsals. Like, uh, like the rehearsal time is as much for the band as, as it is for you. Like your time, especially as a sound engineer, is really about sound check. Um, but you can't take up all of rehearsal time with sound check most of the time. And at least in my experience, musicians show up late. It's part of life. And so uh, I'm, I have to get really good at my craft so that I can make sound check short and quick so that we can get on to rehearsal because the band hasn't played together. It's a whole new group of people up there that have to get through the music. And that's part of like having a relationship with your worship leader is, uh, or your worship pastor. It's, that's just you, they're trying to lead their team. And if they don't get a chance because you're too busy tuning the kick drum, then, uh, that, you know, that's, you, you have to be aware of that. And I, I think you nailed it, Chris talking about just uh, don't sacrifice the other things because of your perfectionism. Yeah. Don't miss your cues. Don't miss your cues. That that's, <laughs> that's super important. Yeah. Ian, what do you think? Uh, what would you say for you? Well, I'm I'm an Enneagram five wing six, um, so I'm the uh, the problem solver, um, and, and you know I I'm right at home when I'm stuck in a room with a pile of gear and a problem to solve, and mm. you know I it's 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 easy for me to to just get like dive deep into hey you know here's all of these complex ways we could connect these you know. Uh, tape decks in with this capture card and run it through this time-based corrector and get like this really amazing thing to come out of it. Um, and sometimes that's great. What language are you speaking right now? Yeah, I'm like, what is that? <laughs> it's video. Come on, guys. It's video. <laughs> I had to hear you talking about precise snare mic placement. <laughs> Just get to be okay with this. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, you know, and, and, but at the end of the day, like there's people on the team too and not only would these people probably like to get to talk to you once in a while, um, they'd also probably like to be able to understand how things are hooked up so they can use it too. 
Um, so it that I, that was always a struggle for me. It was to to put things together, not only in a way that that made sense to me or would work for for me when when I was the guy on on the switcher behind the camera, but that other guys on the team could be able to use too. Because if uh, if I'm if I'm the only one who knows how to uh, to to use it or understands how it works, then it's it's probably not the best way. And yeah. if all I do is spend my time tinkering with with gear and not working with my team or or you know understanding the vision and goals of my leadership, it's not going to go well. You're going to be in a very lonely world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Oh, and that's that makes me think one thing. Like um, again, kind of talking about personality profiles. I know, uh, speaking about myself, one of the things when I would get really um, like frustrated or irritated because like the people on my team weren't doing things that I th- I valued, so I would get very resentful. And uh, my natural inclination would be to like retreat from people like retreat from the, t- the team and I learned so like I didn't learn quickly enough that that was like the opposite direction you need to run towards your team your team is there to support you um, and they I mean they care about you they value you as a person and um, you like that's part of the reason they're there it's occasionally like as tech directors we, we kind of we, we especially if you are just a tech director that has to kind of work by yourself um, you don't have like any other production staff to, to work with you or support you. It's real easy to, to get frustrated and resentful, which is super not helpful, not healthy. And, uh, that's, so if you don't have a team, even at your local church, have a team of like tech directors with other churches that like you guys can all speak the same language, you're in the same tribe. And, uh, those people can be your support team when you're dealing with stress and pain because, it's it's not a it's not a matter of of if it's going to happen. You're you know Christmas comes along every single year, and it's gonna, it's going to be painful in one way or another. But have uh, you have a team to support you, and if it's not in the organization you're with, make sure it's in the community that you're at. Yeah, I, I think both is important. I think having that community within your work team, and also having people outside of your organization that let's be honest you can go vent to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know I've had those people over the years and, and I don't know if I'd still be doing this if they weren't there um, so true yeah. same here yeah uh, cool so the final question uh, that we're going to kind of address is, is for each of us is what do you wish you knew when you started Will you want to go first on this one oh, of course you're going to throw me throw me throw me the wolves um, what do I wish I knew when I first started? I wish I knew the value of teams and relationships because a lot of the things that we're talking about today are things I had to learn the hard way. And instead of thinking, oh my gosh, the technology, I've got to learn all this stuff because now I'm responsible for all this video stuff that's not in my wheelhouse. Although it's important, I should have balanced that with spending time with my team and relationships because it was a longer, harder road for me because I didn't make like and it i'm the kind of person like okay you got to find a rhythm got to find a routine and it's like i should have had lunches every single week with someone from my team or at you know with volunteers and just spending time with people and it it's it's uncomfortable especially for us introverted people it's uncomfortable 
but you have to like you have we can't do what we do without each other like the kingdom of god doesn't exist with just one of us we have to work as a kingdom like as a community as a team and uh so learn to you know if, if you're uncomfortable with spending time with people go and get comfortable with being uncomfortable because you like the people are, are what make things happen and they are they're your brothers and sisters like they are your and even at like even if they're not a christ follower god sees them as your brothers and sisters and you have to treat them with love and uh, and grace um and and also like treat yourself like don't beat yourself up <laughs> too hard when you make mistakes because you will and uh you know don't the world looks at things differently than god looks at things so you have to give yourself get you know give yourself grace give give yourself love and um and not just the people around you i think those are the two things i wish i could it's like if i could go back and talk to like 20 year old will be like hey buddy come here let me talk to you for a second <laughs> that's why i tell him what about you ian yeah i will i think you you uh you hit the nail right on the head it's um you got you got to you got to invest in the team um you got to build relationships with the team um the uh, it's it's important n- not to feel like you have to kill yourself over every single project uh, it's you know i i know a lot of guys who start out in this field and they're they're working at the church until two or three o'clock in the morning trying to turn around stuff to to get it ready uh, for Sunday. Um, and I did that a lot. Um, I, I, I'd start projects, you know, on a Friday afternoon, uh, work late Friday and all day Saturday to have it ready for a Sunday service. And, you know, yeah, you got, you, you did something and it was, it was probably good, but did it really need to happen that weekend? Probably not. Um, and, and so it's, you know, you, you don't if if you're if if you're having to work until late nights, um, early mornings uh, every single week, um, you're probably not planning out uh, your your project schedule the way that you should, or you're you're not you're not investing in your team enough and trying to do too many things yourself. Um, that's uh, that if I could go back when when I was 18 and, and got my first tech director job, if I could convince myself that that was not the way to be, that's that's what I do. Yeah. Now for me, um, man, there's there's a good handful of things. Um, uh, the first I would say is you don't have to know everything. Um, I, I know when I started out, there was a lot of times where. Um, I w- not only would I not ask for help, but I would refuse help when it was almost forced on me um, because I thought I had to know all the answers and, and have, uh, have every solution to every problem for the whole organization, uh, or at least my piece of it. And the reality is you don't. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not as much about what you know as it is about who you know. Uh, and along those lines, um, I didn't ask for help as often as I should uh, when it just came to projects. I mean, I would, well, if I don't do it myself, then it's not going to be right. And the news is that's one, not true. 
Uh, and two is I'm denying somebody else the joy of uh, serving and being a part of a project that's bigger than themselves um, when, I, when I did that. So, um, yeah, I would I'd say slow down, include other people, uh, ask for help, receive help when it's offered. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd also say that uh, just remember this is a marathon, not a sprint, um, meaning you don't have to fix everything on day one. Uh, you can't, so yeah. there's no point in trying. Um, there, there's so many things to do, uh, both on the people side and on the tech side. Um, and we know we all have these huge dreams and aspirations about what things could be, um, but what it comes down to is it takes time to get there, and it's okay to take time to get there. Um, you need to maintain uh, balance with your family, uh, with with your hobbies, with your friends, with your personal time, all that kind of stuff. It's important. You need to recharge. There's a reason scripture talks about it as much as it does. You need to recharge um, and, and you need to allow other people to help you so that you can do this long term. Otherwise, you know, you burn out and, and that seen it a lot of times it's really ugly. Yeah. Um, not only does it hurt you uh, in the moment, but it hurts a lot of other people as well as potentially organizations um, on your way down. So any final thoughts, guys? A lot, a lot of good things, not just like um, stuff, yeah, like just a lot of good reminders for me. Like even like as I'm continuing forward as a tech director, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I do need to like I just good reminder as like an older tech director. I, I'm still learning some of these lessons and. Um, it's just good, good rehearing them or, or you know getting them kind of refocused. So no, I can't think of anything, Chris. Thanks, man. Ian, any other thoughts? Yeah, I never pass up an opportunity to um, learn from someone who uh, has more experience at this than you, or even someone who has less experience. Um, there's a lot that uh, that that can be learned from from younger guys too. Um, I, that that's a hard one for me. It's uh, it, I you, I feel like I shouldn't be an older guy, but I've I've been doing church tech for a little bit over ten years, um, and there's times where I I dismiss stuff that younger guys bring to me simply because I'm I'm like, well, you you don't you know like I I've I've done this before and I know how that's gonna how that's gonna go, and. I I would I would do well to to hear some of those guys out. It's you, you have to have a combination of the energy of a younger person and the experience of an older person if you're going to find the best level of success for your organization. Cool. Hey, if this has impacted you or helped you out, uh, remember to share it uh, with somebody you know, potentially a new TD, and leave a rating or review. Uh, you can always find more on the website at chrisslinger.com. Uh, we'll have show notes from this episode uh, with book references and whatnot. Uh, and there's also the blog where you can get some more uh, good info. And um, as always, if, if you'd like more specific uh, answers um, for your organization, we've got uh, consulting services as well. Um, if you have a topic request or question, you can click on the, I have a question button on the podcast page and that will do it for today. We'll see you guys later. Thanks. Thanks.